Would you pray with me? Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. You are light. You are life. You're breaking through. We invite you to meet us in this place this morning, Lord, through your spirit and through your word. And as we lift our hearts to you, we recognize that our hearts are vulnerable. In many ways, they are tender and hurting. And yet you invite us to expose the core of our being to you in worship, not to be afraid that you're going to reject us or punish us, but you welcome us with your love and your mercy and grace, which we so desperately need to remind us that we are your children, that you've called us to be who we are in this time and in this place. And in this moment when we worship you, God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word about how you have not only created us, but you have called us to be disciples of Jesus who learn from him how to love and give and serve the world through the gifts that you've given us as we've celebrated already this morning so that we can go from this place today knowing that you have not only called us, but you've prepared us and that you go with us. Speak to us now through your word and we will thank you and we'll praise you through Jesus Christ our Lord in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, you guys appreciate the worship this morning? Worship team. Awesome. Simply awesome. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to add my welcome to you. If you're visiting with us here on campus this morning, don't rush off after the service is over. We'd love to have a chance to meet you. And of course, if you're joining us online, we'd encourage you, uh, reach out to us through our Connect card or give us a call or an email in the office. We'd love to be able to meet you. Uh, I, I love going out for coffee. So if you ever want to go out for coffee and just shoot the breeze, uh, let, let us know. I'm happy to do that as well. We are in the middle of our series, or coming to the end of our series pretty soon here, on, called Know Your Why, where we are talking about how why is not only a question of passion and desire, but it's a question of purpose. Why do you do what you do? Why do you make the choices that you make? Why are you here today? Why are your priorities your priorities? Often what we choose to do with the lives that we live are driven by the deeper question of why. If you've been with us through the series, you know that Pastor Jeff uh, walked us through that in Jesus we can discover that our deepest why is found at the intersection of our passion and God's will for our life. And we talked last week about how author Oz Guinness in his book, The Call, says in a similar way, our life purpose comes from two sources at once, who we were created to be and who we are called to be. And last week, we also noticed that the focus of both of those, who we are created to be and who we are called to be, is on us. But the source of both is from God. And we talked about how when we begin to realize that the source of our passions and the fulfillment of our passions in life are designed by God to be from the same source, 
We begin to understand that the discovery of who we are created to be and our understanding of how God has shaped us and intended us for a purpose when he made us and who we are called to be, who we are invited to live out the gifts and the passions and the talents that God has given us in our lives are ultimately discovered only by seeking the source of both of those things as our starting point. And that what the Bible reveals to us is that as followers of Jesus, we first have to recognize that Jesus is seeking seekers. That according to the Bible, if we really want to discover our deepest why, then we have to understand that it's a process of seeking the one who first sought us. And so today I want to go deeper into this question of these two sources of our identity and calling as we search to know our why. And ask the question, how does our sense of destiny or who we're called to be in the future connect to our identity and who we have come to understand God has created us to be. I want to introduce to you another book. We mentioned it in the first week, but author Ken Costa uh, wrote a book called Know Your Why, same title as our series. Uh, interestingly, Ken was an, was an international investment bank chairman, UBS Bank. He was the chairman of UBS Bank, who is now the chairman of Alpha International. If you don't know Alpha, it's an evangelistic ministry that started in England and has, has blossomed around the world. And in his book that he's titled, Know Your Why, he suggests that we need to first understand our identity before we can fulfill our destiny. So I want to talk a little bit about what he might mean by that and what the Bible has to say about our destiny and our identity in Christ. He says in the book, our destinies are what God calls us to do, but they are never a substitute for our identities for who God has created us to be. And that knowing who we are in Christ is the first and foremost priority uh, about knowing that we are uniquely, hmm, how do I say that again? Knowing who we are in Christ is first and foremost about knowing that we are uniquely and passionately loved by God. Now, we talk about God's love all the time at church, and, you know, God is love, and love this, and love that, and we sang about love all morning already today, but I don't want to skip over this too much, because I think there's a critical challenge here for us on, 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 do we really believe what we say when it comes to our practical day-to-day lives outside of church on Sunday morning? Do you, this morning, truly believe That knowing that you are in Christ, first and foremost, tells you that you are uniquely and passionately loved by God. Or is there another story that more often challenges you in your day-to-day thinking? Another way to, to say this is how author and professor Robert Clinton said it. He said, God has created us and designed us in such a way that he's intended what we do to flow out of who we are. And if that's the case, then who we are becomes pretty important to what we do, right? If, as we said last week, seeking God is the source of both our created being and our called being is the first thing, then I want to suggest for us this morning that the next thing is we need to ask and seek to understand who God has truly created us to be so that we can understand better who he has then called us to be in the future. 
Again, as Costa says it, we need to understand our identity before we can fulfill our destiny. Now, understanding our identity requires us to look back at our lives in order to see how God has shaped us and molded us and developed us over time, which then allows us to better discern where God might be leading us and calling us in the future. But if you're like me, there's some of the things in my past history that I don't really want to take time to look at again. It's in the past. I thought I was beyond that. I wanted to you know, get rid of that baggage and move on with my life, right? Each of us has a, a history, a personal story that tells us who we are, that, that gives meaning to our lives. But Costa also challenges us in the book to suggest that our personal stories not only give us meaning for what God may have called us to do and who we are, but they can also give life to our deepest fears if we're not careful. He says, often the stories of our lives are colored not by strong and encouraging narratives, but by anxious thoughts of uncertainty, bad experiences with home and family, traumatic events at school, and demoralizing words from our elders and from our peers. Has anybody ever experienced any of those in your life? You see, those negative experiences stick with us. <laughs> They become the voices in our heads that taunt us about our past mistakes, that condemn us because of our past failures, that ridicule us about our missed opportunities. And it's so tempting to listen to those voices when we're going about our daily life in work and in home and in school and all the places that we go when we leave church on Sunday morning, that we begin to allow those voices and that story to be what defines our sense of identity and who we are. But when we set out to seek God first, we discover in His Word that there's another story, that God intends to be the story that is the one that actually defines us, that actually tells us who we really are. You see, in Jesus, the living Word, the, the, the Word of God made flesh, the incarnation of the Word of God who became human, who became one of us, introduced the story of God into the story of the world so that His story can become our story. And through the story of Jesus, we come to understand that no matter what our past experiences have been, no matter what our failures are, no matter how many times we've dropped the ball and messed up and missed the opportunities and made mistakes, we can become a new creature, a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 says, For Christ's love compels us. Because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Amen? So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Why? <laughs> he rose from the dead. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Men and women, that is good news. 
When we say yes to Jesus, the story of God's sacrificial and unconditional love for us becomes the new story of our lives. We become a a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new is here, Paul says. The old negative story becomes reformed. It becomes rewritten and retold in a new way with new purpose and new meaning. Those discouraging and often dominant thoughts that continue to fight within us to, to determine our futures, God can in his abundant grace and love begin to reshape them within us and remold them into a story of unconditional love for you and for me. A story of redemption and a story of resurrection in our own life. As we said last week, the fact that God's love reaches out to us is the defining characteristic of the Christian life, right? We always say this here at Faith Covenant, it's not about how good we are, it's about how good God is. We are finite and fallen creatures. We're prone to to sinful behavior and to mistakes. We are weak-willed and we give in to our temptations and our desires at the drop of a hat. If we're to desire the highest good, as Guinness says, it can't come from ourselves. The highest good has to come down and draw us to it so that it may become the reality that we desire. This, the Bible tells us, is exactly what God has done for us in Jesus. Right? The Bible tells us that God calls to us from the depths of his love for you and for me. In the midst of the negative voices in our heads and the negative stories we believe about ourselves, the love of God calls out to the deepest places within us, encouraging us to stop listening to those voices and to listen to the voice of His Spirit, to believe Him when He says and to trust in His story through His Son Jesus that He loves you, that He created you for a purpose, and that there's nothing you can do that can ever separate you from His love. I love the words of Psalm 42, where the psalmist writes in verse 6, My soul is downcast within me. Have you ever had your soul downcast within you? I think a lot of us are feeling downcast in this season, aren't we? Therefore, he says, I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep, calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and your breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is within me, a prayer to the God of my life. Isn't that beautiful poetry about God's love for us? Deep calls to deep in God's love for you. The reality is that we are powerless in this world without the life-giving energy of his love to empower us to become who he had intended us to be. But we have confidence because that's exactly what God has already done in Jesus. He's poured out his love for us in such a way that the story of God for us can become the redefining story of our life. It is the story of his amazing grace that takes up my story with all of its failures and its brokenness and and its longing, and it reimagines a different possible future for my soul. 
The Apostle Paul describes this process of God's story becoming my story or our story in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast of the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. Men and women, do you understand the power of what Paul is saying here? And how the story of God in Jesus can radically transform the story of your life. To become one of hope and glory and purpose in God's kingdom. And that all of the mistakes of the past and all of the sins that we've committed don't put us to shame. They become a part of God's story. You see, in Christ, I'm no longer defined by my fears and my failures and my shame. His love reforms the broken places in my life and transforms the very meaning of my past story by turning my story into his story through his love for me. Notice, now this is important, right? His story doesn't eliminate our story. It doesn't whitewash the reality of my pain and my suffering and the brokenness and the abuse I've experienced in my past. It doesn't go away. Instead, the love of God reinterprets the meaning and the value of those experiences so that it can be used for his glory and his purposes. Isn't that amazing? The story of my failures and my sins are no longer the story about my shortcomings. They've become the story of his mercy and grace in my life and how his love has overcome my fears and my failures and my sins. And even though I keep walking away from God and going back to, to those things that I know are, he doesn't want for me, his grace keeps pulling me back and it's a, a, my life becomes a story of his amazing love that never gives up on me. And it allows me to live each day in his presence as if it was the first day of the rest of my life. The story of my experiences of pain and suffering in the past are no longer a story about my present brokenness and the victimization of my life. They've now become the story of his unconditional and redeeming love and how his love has given me value and hope in spite of my fears and the voices that tell me that I'm broken and worthless and no good. It is the presence and the power of the Spirit of Christ within us, Paul says, that is our source of hope and confidence that he has taken up our story with all of its messiness. And he's woven it into his story in a way that even now he's at work transforming your life and my life from the inside out into stories of redemption and hope and love so that our story tells of the glory of the goodness of the God who saved us. I think that's why the words of the song Amazing Grace have continued to resonate with so many of us for so many years. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wonderful person like me. 
That's not what it says? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch. Like me. I once was lost, but now I found. I was blind, but now I see. When we say that we need to understand our identity before we can fulfill our destiny, it's not just my identity apart from Christ. It's my identity in Christ. Because without Him, I am nothing. Ultimately, I have a choice. And you have a choice then. Which story of my life will I choose to believe? Is it the negative, fearful story of my past and the voices that speak of my shame and my guilt? Or is it the positive, love-filled story of Christ and the promises of a future and a hope and glory in Him? Now, before you answer that too quickly, again, Costa in his book says it's really easy to quickly say yes to the positive story, right? But unless we take the time to actually deal with the negative story in our life, which has often become an integral part of our identities today, it can undermine the truth of God's story in our life and prevent us from ever truly discovering God's calling and His purpose for us in the future. It's hard to understand why we are here if we never take the time to learn how God wants to use our past to remake our future for his purposes. But when we each take responsibility for living out this new story each day, not perfectly, uh, not, not even always you know, consciously, but, but well-intended in seeking God's guidance and trusting in his spirit, this renewed life to the full that Christ promised us, we begin to see our stories in the new light of his story. And those negative and painful experiences of life, God catches up and they begin to lose their power over us. And, and, and God reshapes them and remolds them to help us understand that those very things that, that, that the world meant for evil, that he can turn for good and he can use it for the good to bless others and for the glory of his kingdom. And sometimes the, the most difficult, challenging experiences that we've had in the past are the very things that God wants to use to turn you into a blessing, to bless others who have experienced the very same thing in their own lives. The need for understanding our identity in Christ, even with our painful and shameful histories, is becoming even more critical in our time, Costa suggests, with the age of the internet and the ever-expanding online world. He says, recent polls showed that online users are creating false memories and false identities at an alarming rate. They can no longer even distinguish fact from fiction in their own lives. The fear of being boring and the envy of other people's lives causes two-thirds of users online to lie about what they've been doing. Two-thirds. One-fifth of those in their early 20s admitted that their online identities bore no resemblance to their real life. One in three persons posts were fabricated. A vacation that appeared so much more exciting than it actually was. A cool nightclub scene the poster didn't even attend. 
It's so easy, he says, to create an, an avatar that represents a better self. And a growing number of young people admit that they feel shame about their untruths and cannot live up to their online images. Do we understand, men and women, this morning, that this isn't only true about people online? Although it becomes easier to maintain the lie in those anonymous spaces, in many ways we have each created an avatar of ourselves that we want the world to see, to think that our lives are doing better than they actually are. Rather than the person that we really are on the inside, we, we have an outward facing, uh, face to the world that tries to keep the truth at bay as long as possible, and some of us have begun to lose the difference between fact and fiction in our own lives. On the inside, however, if we're honest, so often what we imagine about ourselves, for good or for bad, crowds out the genuine voices of truth that really make us who we are. As a result, too often we become people who feel trapped inside the person that we actually despise. How tragic for a follower of Christ to be trapped in a person that you despise because you are a child that God loves. Outwardly, we present a positive face to the world, while inwardly, we're filled with constant self-questioning and doubt and fear and self-loathing. That's why it's so important that we learn to both understand, but also value the person that God created us to be before we can understand the person that God is calling us to be. Identity comes before destiny. Who I am comes before why I am. And who I am in Christ is the truth that transforms my story of brokenness and sin into God's story of the redeeming and empowering love that he wants me and you to experience in our lives. See, our destinies are what he is calling us to do and to become, but they are never a substitute for our identities and who he has already created us to be. And in Christ, knowing who we are is about coming to believe and to know that we are uniquely and passionately loved by the God who made us. Now, next week, we're going to talk more about three primary avenues by which God engages us and through which he seeks to empower us to live out our story as his story and as a result to begin to discover our deepest why for living in him. But I want to give you a teaser today and ask if you're ready to begin learning a more today about how your destiny, who you were called to be, connects directly to your identity and who you were created to be, these three avenues that God uses to engage with us are available to you every day. These primary avenues which God uses to engage us are God's Word, God's Spirit, and God's people. 
And when we are engaging in God's word and we're reading the story of God with his people, we begin to see ourselves reflected in the pages of God's story and God's spirit uses the word of God to speak a word to us so that we begin to understand how our story is transformed by God's story. And through the power of prayer and the presence of God's spirit with us, we begin to commune with the presence of God, not only speaking our prayers to God, but actually hearing the voice of God speaking into our own lives. And so we are directed and guided by the presence of the spirit, not only to understand God's word, but to understand God's word as a word to us, which then ultimately leads us to an experience of God's people. Why are God's people so important? Because the same spirit that lives in you and that lives in me uses each one of us to speak into our lives in ways that we couldn't imagine or predict. That's why church is so critical to successful and healthy spiritual living, not because it's a religious duty, but because you're surrounded by the presence of the Holy Spirit with each person here in this room. And if we're not engaging with God's people in a way that cuts through the surface avatar that we put around our lives to go deeper, to allow ourselves to be seen, to confess our sins, the Bible says, and to be a real boy, (laughs) as Pinocchio would say. (laughs) And girls, we're missing one of the primary avenues by which God has told us we can meet him and find him and engage with him. And man, if you put all those three together and you put God's people in God's spirit, in God's word, now you've got something. So maybe this week we can be challenged in our own spirits to see how are we engaging with God in these three areas. And also next week, we're going to follow up with some opportunities that we can take advantage of, not only in the weeks ahead, but through this next year, that this is not something that is just a a sermon series that's one and done, but this is the beginning of the catalyst for how we want to make and build disciples of Jesus here at Faith Covenant Church. And we will discover as well that it is through these three avenues that God leads us to join Jesus in his mission of love to engage the world around us. But I want to invite the worship team to come up because I think there's some more work that we have to do this morning. As we were worshiping earlier, I, Greg, I'm going to throw you guys a curveball. I just felt God through the Spirit say, we need to sing Good, Good Father again. Because Good, Good Father reminds us that God's story is a story of a father who loves us, who would never abuse us, who doesn't harm us, but invites us to experience healing and wholeness because that's who he is. And when we understand who he is and the story that he invites us to live is when we discover who we really are. And too many of us are walking around day-to-day lives not, not really being real with who we are and wondering if we have any value or worth or if there's even a purpose in our lives that God has. And today, God wants to invite us to rediscover that journey with Jesus again through his word and through his spirit that, that he has a plan for your life. And he can turn all of your past into good and he can use it for his glory. Amen?
So I'm going to invite the worship team to lead us through good, good father. I'm going to throw another curveball, all right? Prayer partners. Any prayer partners in the room this morning? Any prayer partners? I want to invite you to come forward. I don't know why, but God said. So I want you to come forward. I want you to line up down here in front. And I'm going to ask everyone else to stand. I'm going to ask you to put aside your defenses, to, to open your heart. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Open your heart to the living God this morning. And some of you here this morning are in desperate need of a word of encouragement, a word of healing. And I need you to respond to the Spirit today and come forward and allow these trusted friends to pray for you, to receive the anointing and the gift of the Spirit in your life. And as we sing, good, good Father, for those of you who aren't coming forward to pray, pray for the people who are coming forward to pray and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. That that same good Father that is going to minister to them in this moment is wanting to minister to you as well in whatever way you need, that you know, because God is speaking to your heart. Amen? Men and women, we have some spiritual work to do. And God, through his son Jesus and the power of his own spirit, is inviting us to come to him.